Welcome to The Label Podcast, a show about disability, illness and difference. And history. I'm Lucy. And I'm Alice. I'm Daisy. So much more than what you see. We all live our lives differently. Kaleidoscope identity. And this is who I'm meant to be. I'm just labelled me. I'm just labelled me. this episode along with lucy crying and alice swearing there's going to be a number of historical terms for disability that are now considered extremely offensive hello everybody and welcome to a brand new episode of the label podcast i am lucy and i'm here with alice and our resident historian daisy hello daisy hello 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 alice hi i didn't think she was paying attention when i said alice and she just didn't no, say I did, you didn't stop for breath long enough oh. for me to say anything so i just let you carry on very on brand for me <laughs> um as daisy is here it can only mean one thing we're doing another history lesson today yeah i love these episodes um alice it's alice's turn this week uh alice who are we going to learn about today i am going to be telling you about maria Teresa von paradis I know, she's got fancy, quite a fancy, fancy pants name. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she is named after an empress, so. Okay. That, I think I might give myself a fancy pants name once we become, uh, like, very well-known po- podcasters. I mean, you say that, but only last week you told me that you wanted people to start calling you Gimpy Tinkerbell. So I feel as though... <laughs> yeah, perhaps... but this... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Perhaps some <laughs> <laughs> that makes no sense today that he wasn't there for that recording just like okay no, no no but it's certainly putting a very specific idea in mind <laughs> uh yeah um so a little zip across the mouth <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, <laughs> moving on swiftly um alice do you want to kick off with maria then yeah sure so maria Teresa von parody is was uh very much not with us anymore she was an austrian pianist and composer born um in 1759, her father was the royal secretary to the Empress Maria Theresa, um, who was the, I've got first only, but I think that should be first and only, female ruler of the Habsburg Empire. Right. So... Was she, she royalty then? No? No, no. Mar- so our Maria Theresa was Ooh. just a pianist. Um, But her dad worked for the Empress and named his daughter after the Empress. I assume in one of those kind of, oh, if I name her, that maybe she'll give us some money kind of way. Like, you know, when people name their kids after their long lost great uncle Gilbert in the hopes that he'll leave their fortune to them. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was like that. You say that like it's a really common thing that people do. (laughs) (laughs) I clearly am moving in the wrong circles. Yeah. I don't I don't have any relatives that would have that amount of money. 
I mean, I suppose I have some older relatives that ha are sitting on quite a lot of money, but I think the intention is that that's going to pay for their care because they're all uh, intending to live to be a hundred. Mm. Um, I guess I could so just start I making up relatives. Yeah, yeah. My, my um, lovely great uncle Elton John. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I Cut some money, please. <laughs> <laughs> uncle Elton. Uncle Elton. <laughs> I, I mean, that's one way to do it, I suppose. I think personally, I'd have, I'd have aimed a little bit lower than Sir Elton, but um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Um, uh, shall I shall yes. I carry on talking about this later? Yes, please, because I can't. Yeah, I can't stop thinking yeah. about Uncle <laughs> Um. So everybody called her Teresa. Um, yeah. And I I love the way she spells her name. It's uh, a very European spelling. There's an mm. extra I in it unnecessarily. So it's like the European spelling of Lucy's got an extra I. Well, it's got I E. Yeah. And I think that's far too fancy. <laughs> that's me. You're veering dangerously close into xenophobia. <laughs> <laughs> Look at all those stupid spellings in French and German. I mean, I was saying I thought it was nice. Oh. But, um, this is this is from the person who, in a previous episode, went, "What's the place with the clogs and the tulips?" <laughs> yeah, my nan. Her name was Anne, right? And she, or, her name was meant to be spelled with an E, but she never spelt it with an E. She just spelt it A double N. And when I asked her, why don't you put the E on it, Nan? She went, it takes too much time. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I mean, she was obviously a busy lady with a lot to do. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yes. Uh, Go on. So. Um. <clears throat> Teresa was uh, some time, we don't know exactly when, sometime between the ages of two and five, she went blind. Right. Uh, we don't really know what caused her disability. Um, thanks to her father's connection with the Empress, she got a generous like stipend from the royal family. Uh, so it obviously naming her after the empress worked mm -hmm. um, and that paid for her education, um, which included languages and literature. And uh, she was taught music by a number of like really well-known influential um, teachers, including somebody who I think in this episode, if you have a interest in classical music, there's going to be a lot of names like classical music bingo. Right. Um, the rest of us who are more into Taylor Swift are going to be like, I vaguely recognize that. Um, so one of her tutors was a gentleman whose name was uh, Antonio Soleri, who was a, um, or Celiari, possibly, who was apparently a big rival of Mozart's. Um, and Celiari or Soleri doesn't matter. I'm not going to mention him again after this. Uh, he was so <laughs> he was so taken with Teresa that he um, actually composed a concerto for her. Uh, Maria herself was a very talented pianist and um, had an exceptional memory. 
memory. Mm-hmm. She was supposedly able to learn music just by ear and could recall upwards of uh, 60 complex musical pieces, um, including piano concertos and many religious pieces. Coincidentally, uh, Elton um, John knows how to uh, <laughs> play music by ear. So there we go. Daisy's uncle. Daisy's uncle Elton. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Maria began performing in uh, the Viennese salons before she was even like 16 and um, was getting a lot of praise and acclaim for her natural talents. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was off even being um, commissioned to play concerts and do organ recitals at like big religious festivals. She developed tactile systems uh, to help her read music and keep uh, time, uh, including using a knotted cord that she would keep discreetly uh, laid over her lap when she was playing that had um, sort of the knots in different places to help her uh, follow like changes in the music. Mm-hmm. And uh, she also had a what was described as like maps of music made out of papier-mâché that was like raised and tactile so like a very early braille i suppose yeah um but for music specifically yeah so um she was a talented singer as well and uh performed both as a pianist and vocalist for you know her entire life and performed alongside a number of other notable contemporary artists. So before she'd even reached adulthood, there was a lot of debates about what was uh, causing, what had caused um, Teresa's disability, because it sounds like it was real sudden onset blindness. Mm. Variety of diagnoses and sort of experiences uh that people have argued may have caused her blindness um some sources seem to think that um perhaps she may have had a virus she'd had uh, a cold apparently some people think that she may have had a skin condition for which she was being treated with mercury uh. um which of course you know that that that'll, that, that'll yeah that'll do it that'll blind you yeah <laughs> I like how Daisy's like nodding yeah yeah well yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> um, I've got down uh, mercury which is a deadly poison um, yeah I mean it's part of the that sort of you know 18th century tradition of getting people to swallow things that later turn out to be poison yes it's kind of like you know well sure you won't be blind anymore but you also won't be alive anymore. So, yeah, yeah. So, you won't, be need, you won't be needing your eyes anyway. So, oh, yeah. yeah. It's a bit like, isn't it? Um, Elizabeth I, she was wearing makeup with lead on it, mm-hmm. in it, and her face like disintegrated, didn't it, underneath mm. it all? So, there's not a lot of like surviving sources around um, these different diagnoses. There's one very kind of prevailing idea which uh i'll go on to but some people did um think that her her blindness couldn't really think it was a didn't really think it was a physical issue because it, apparently and i i have no idea how they could know this but her 
optic nerve was not damaged. Now, I think my optic nerve's not damaged, but I still can't see. So I think it's perhaps a bit more complicated than these old and tiny doctors thought it was, which, you know, surprisingly. So could you not see at all? Do, do we know how much she could see? As far as I know, she couldn't see a sausage. Right, okay. That's a technical term. <laughs> she can't even see a sausage. That's, that's what they use in the opticians when they're testing your vision. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I'm going to lose it in a minute. I'm going to die. This close. Okay. Can you, can you... <laughs> okay. Okay. Mm. So, oh, compose yourself. The general consensus was that Maria's blindness was hysterical. Right. What? What does it, Daisy? What does that mean in terms of like a historical? What does the word the, the term? It's, it's I mean, if you shut well, up, I'll tell you. Okay. But it does be hilarious. Just, <laughs> I was going to say, hysterical is how you, what, where you're getting to if you're not, you know, if you carry on being so excited. Okay. Uh, so, hysteria and hysterical disorders, um, it's not really something that we, it is in the medical lexicon these days. Um, and, uh, Usually these days we tend to say things like conversion disorder or functional neurological condition. Right. Uh, but basically the basic principle is that it means that some kind of extreme anxiety or psychological condition like results in a physical symptom. Mm -hmm. So this can be anything from paralysis, numbness, seizures, to sight loss or hearing loss. Right. Uh, also uh, used as like psychosomatic. Yeah. Is a classic one. I just want to point out at this point that functional neurological disorder is a very specific thing. It is not currently thought to be the same as psychosomatic. It's more that it's a disorder that they don't know the source of. Yes. Yes. I'm working with somebody at the moment who's experiencing seizures and mm. it's basically they're saying it's a functional neurological condition because he's having these uncontrollable seizures and they just don't know why. Right. Yeah, yeah. A f a functional in medical terms basically just means, I yeah. don't know. It means it's something in, something neurological in something. Yeah, yeah. So like, I had something that was called like a functional essential tremor, which is basically, we don't know what's causing it and we don't know why it's there, but you're probably not going to die. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So one of the things to remember about uh, hysteria and hysterical disorders is that they are not exclusively, but very heavily linked to so-called female disorders. They're things that are generally and historically men would say that woman's got a hysterical disorder if perhaps she wasn't doing what they liked or wanted her to do oh like so if she was sort of like being a bit um rebellious for instance mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and she knew her own mind they'd be like she's being hysterical yeah i would yeah. recommend um anybody who's interested to check out uh the sawbones episode on hysteria where they kind of talk about the history of where it comes from and it's all to do with floating uteruses um but it is 
yeah, base, the basic idea with hyster hysterical disorders is that it's a, a psychological thing that's causing a physiological um, yeah. sort yeah, of symptom. Yeah. Also, it's important to remember that in in a, a, a for a lot of so-called hysterical disorders, it's just nothing. It's just men going, she's hysterical because she doesn't want to be locked in the house all day long and mm. just be a baby farm and things like that. So. Mm -hmm. One of the things that they say about hysterical conditions is that they're quite often uh, caused by a traumatic incident. So there's a couple of things that I found in my reading that could have, in theory, caused Maria's hysterical blindness, um, which went from um, being mistreated by her parents, yeah, uh, witnessing a shooting, and my favourite one, hearing a loud noise. <laughs> okay. <laughs> any other any other description as to the noise where she was? No. What no, it she, was like? No, she heard a loud noise and then she couldn't see anymore. <laughs> yeah, that that seems uh... that tracks, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 I mean, I live next to a train line now, so it's you know a couple of times an hour every time a train goes past. <laughs> <Damn it. laughs> just in the middle of something yeah. <laughs> so my nice segue here is uh, but if anyone was mistreating Maria it wasn't her parents it was the so-called doctors who attempted to cure her of oh her here disability. we go here we go although it might have been her parents a bit uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Daisy, the historian, keeping us a level head. Like, so what? What did they try and do to her? Did they like squirt orange juice in her eyes and say like, "Oh, that cold compress on for three weeks"? See how that is. <laughs> it's a bit. Be. They're a bit more ridiculous than that. So, okay. um, she was treated by the empress's uh, personal mm -hmm. physician, who treated Maria. <laughs> by wrapping her head in a paper papier-mâché helmet to stop her eyes from twitching. What? So her whole head was covered in papier-mâché? I don't think it was her whole head. Well, from the descriptions, I think it was literally like a bike helmet. Yeah, but if it was a... Well, if her, if her, if her eyes weren't covered... How no, I know. Even I if mean, her eyes were covered, her eyes would still be twitching. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but, but if somebody's thinking, oh, I know what I'll do, bandage her head up. Um, and the eyes. Let's cover her eyes. Like, um, you know um, what I mean? And, and she apparently, this was left on for so long that uh, she developed a skin infection and oh, uh, and had pus and oh. other unpleasant things from <laughs> under her helmet. How long did they leave it on for? I have no idea. It's really like mentioned in passing and then like, oh, and then this happened, which is all maybe where this idea of her being treated with mercury came from yeah. as well. So yeah. kind of it jumps back and forth in the timeline. I've seen multiple references, including electrotherapy using a Leyden jar Leyden jar, L-E-Y-D-E-N, but that might be my bad spelling, uh, which is basically a jar with electrodes cemented to the inside and outside. 
Um, and then they used the attached the other end of the electrodes to her eyes. Oh, for oh! Apparently, again, I I'm not a scientist, what? but I it's can't good. see how that would work without frying her eyeballs. No, why is it about these history letters lessons that wind me up? Like, what is wrong with people? So, as well as the uh, electrotherapy, the papier-mâché helmet and the mercury, um, there was, of course, bloodletting and leeches. Yeah. Um, And, of course, the big thing that everybody always, that Maria is kind of remembered for and that you can't get past any research about Maria Theresa von Paradis about is because she was also treated by uh I've by Anton Franz Mesmer, but actually I think it's Franz Anton Mesmer. Um but yes, he, he the the treat the diagnosis of hysterical blindness suits Mesmer quite well because um he he said that this this is what he describes um in his journal, which is where a lot of the sources about what so-called treatments and generally uh, what Maria's experience and diagnoses were comes from Mesmer's journals. Uh, there's not a lot of other like contemporary surviving sources about her. Um, so she apparently had a complete asmorosis attended uh attended by spasms in the eyes. As a consequence, she suffered from deep depression and obstructions of the spleen and liver, which caused her to go into transports of delirium. Right. So, yeah, that very much kind of sounds sounds like um, a, a hysterical symptoms Oh, a hysterical condition with um, physical symptoms. So um, I don't know if, Daisy, you want to tell us a little bit about Mesmer. I've got a little bit about what he did actually to treat um, Maria, but it might be useful to get a bit of an insight into into generally him and, and magnetism. Yeah, so he did what we would call now nothing nothing now, is what now he did. nothing it's, now it's essentially um developed into what we would now call hypnotism right okay yeah. Uh, right, okay yeah um okay so what he did is basically based on what um you know various faith healers and traditional healers had been doing for you know centuries which was um how much the power of suggestion mm-hmm. can you know make a difference to people but um he did it in a very odd roundaboutish type way okay so he he studied medicine and primarily studied the influences of the planets on the human body i do think it's worth saying that this was a time where you could say that you studied medicine because you read a couple of books and went yeah i'm a doctor now so he, he did he did study but a lot of his thesis was, was um, it on plagiarized a, a, like astrology, what? <laughs> what? Oh man! 
old man. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so he was an astrologer then, was he? No, 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 no. no he was a doctor. He was a doctor. He, so he basically believed that, um, you know how uh, the planets affect tides in the yeah. sea? They yeah. would have a similar effect on the various um, liquids in the human body. Right, okay. Um, which, you know, sounds now a bit ridiculous, but when you think about it, actually, you know, you can see that there's a sort of logic in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, he believed that there was there was a lot of this magnetic fluid inside human body so where you talk about the channels being blocked alice that's this idea that there is this magnetic fluid in you which is affected by you know the planets and the moon like the tide Uh and when people needed his help was when people couldn't move their magnetic fluid around their bodies on their own so he started off doing this by making them drink iron and then sticking magnets to them (laughs) okay um as it turned out, that didn't that wasn't very successful if people didn't know that they had magnets attached to them. <laughs> <laughs> so, so not even the so it's kind of the opposite of the placebo effect. Is <laughs> is the thing that well, does yeah, nothing so... really does nothing if you don't know that it's there? <laughs> Essentially, yeah, yeah. That that is that is the placebo effect. Yeah, yeah. it's um. So he was. While it was a technique that was used by a lot of, you know, faith healers and things like that, he he spent a really, really like most of his life mm-hmm. trying to prove the method scientifically. So he right. did like constant like experiments and like that like, royal. Um, he had like patrons, like, didn't he? Well, it, it wasn't so much. You know, patrons were for the people who were getting the um, the treatment rather than the studying of it but there was like royal commissions that were set up to Mm -hmm. try and prove whether this was you know an effective medical treatment because you know that's how you know that was essentially um you know like the governing body for new medicines and treatments and things was like a royal commission to figure out whether it worked or not yeah Uh, um yeah so supposedly if if the various bits around your body if your fluid was blocked it would become unblocked while he was treating you and then you would go into something called a crisis which is basically when all of a sudden everything comes unblocked and it's all a bit overwhelming overwhelming. yeah yeah and it would usually be kind of like you know hysterical giggling and you know screaming and laughing and crying and all of that sort of thing Uh and after that you'll be better right but he did this by so that that initial stage before the magnetism bit was essentially he put them into almost like a trance mm-hmm. so like hypnotism so it's yeah. kind of it's yeah he he eventually determined that um he didn't need the magnets because his own personal animal Magnet. magnetism R- okay as he called all it, right okay yeah right <laughs> was was that was that was perfectly sufficient <laughs> so yeah he was what he was he was calling it an artificial tide <laughs> in these people when he did it which is like quite unpleasant actually to think yeah of. It if this guy was on tinder you'd avoid him like the plague wouldn't you oh really? absolutely 
Absolutely. <laughs> and and the idea that his uh his artificial his animal, animal magnetism. magnetism is enough to change your personal artificial tide just just sounds like he wants to put his I penis somewhere you don't want it <laughs> he does sound like he's got a bob on himself doesn't he really he does yeah so he, he... there were lots of people who claim that all of the things that he did because he you know he was quite successful at, you know relieving people's symptoms certainly as far as you know they believed that they were relief that you know lots of people tried to refer to it as you know miracles and all things like that and he hated that because you know he was not into this whole you know he was a scientist mm. he wanted to prove that it worked scientifically i'm really sorry but you can't be a scientist and also believe that you inherently are magic because of your animal magnetism well he is a, a magic uh, uh, animal magnetism means a different thing now now the meaning has developed to be sort of like you know oh i am so i'm a know, god charismatic. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Well, yeah this is the thing originally it was the animal magnetism essentially developed into becoming just sort of you know someone who was able to you know bring a person into that sort of hypnotic trance type state mm. you know that's essentially what it's come to mean even though he was sort of doing the with his hands <laughs> under someone's body but his primary influence was is a priest called maximilian hell it was <laughs> reverend <laughs> hell my god wait so if, actually after he treated this woman he had to leave vienna Mm -hmm. Why? He was sort of run out of the city. But there were still loads of people who wanted his services. So he ended up doing um the patrons, as Alice said, ended up doing like kind of group therapy of this sort of stuff. Like a retreat or somewhere. Kind of, less like a retreat, a more like there was a big bucket of water mm -hmm. in the middle with rods coming out of it. And you would all mm -hmm. sit around the big tub. And then the rods would be electrified slightly and then they would be brought into that trance and then one of the assistants would come over and touch them and then he would come over and fix it all and it was very, it, it became much more theatrical yes yes wasn't there in the whole like sitting around a bathtub and the electrified wasn't there also some accusations of a bunch of young women being asked to sit around a bathtub without any clothes on certainly not that i read but there <laughs> were definitely i could believe that though to be fair there were certainly rumors that him and maria Teresa had gotten as they described it a bit too close she was like uh, 17 17 18 when he was treating her so yeah, well, 18th century that's and he said sit in this bathtub and take clothes off and I'll bring your eyesight back. There is, yeah. so, as far as I found, no suggestion that any of these <laughs> things would be necessary to do while unclothed. <laughs> We're, are we just going over egg in the pudding here, Daisy? Is this, what... <laughs> this is something you're making no, up. No, no, I'm, again... I I am gonna blame I'm gonna blame Sydney and Justin for this because the first place I heard about Maria is uh was a Sawbones episode on mesmerism and I am ninety-seven percent certain that they were like there was there was some 
unnecessary nakedness. Well, I mean, yeah. there is in every person's life, realistically. <laughs> I mean, I've been married for four and a half years. There's a lot of unnecessary nakedness in my, fa- in my life these days. It's like, no, we're married now. Leave me alone. <laughs> okay. Um... <laughs> So one of the things that Mesmer used to treat Maria was a glass harmonica, which are those, or a <laughs> harmonian, which are those, you know, you know, when you fill a bunch of wine glasses with different levels of water and yeah, then you ooh. make them play a little, uh, uh, yeah. You lick your finger, ooh. Yeah. I don't like, yeah, I don't that's know what that noise was. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> like... I really enjoyed that noise. <laughs> Available as our text message ringtone for nine nine nine. You sound like some kind of like dying bird of prey. No, what it does is what I meant was it was meant to be that noise. (laughs) Um, So yeah, that's that was that was how he cured her blindness was a glass (laughs) harmonium. But supposedly he only partially cured her blindness no so okay. yeah it it worked but only for a bit and then when they stopped hanging out together it stopped working oh well but also there was um there was some issue with her father as well yes who essentially either wanted her to be fully cured and therefore part of a miracle or not be cured at all because you know then people wouldn't be interested in his blind uh, daughter, uh, excellent pianist. Right, yes, okay. yes, yes. There was talk of her apparently losing her talent when she regained her sight. But it's not losing so her talent, it's just that people aren't as interested in someone who can see playing the no, piano very no, well. No, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's her USP is the fact that she can play piano and also she's blind. Yeah. Isn't it? Do you have anything else you wanted to say about Mesmer, Daisy? Yeah. Go on then. Yeah, so there, there were loads and loads and loads of people who said that this worked. Like incredibly, you know, so many like first-hand accounts of things that worked. And it and it seems that, you know, a good amount of the stuff is substantially Which is why true. it's now it's just available the- on the NHS, because it was so successful and useful we now use it on yeah. a daily basis yeah 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 so it's like there was um harriet martineau right who um any of you may not know but she is a very interesting uh, person i think i've written about her before or at least i've been meaning to i can't remember upcoming after school club i think yeah, yeah she was um a deaf sociologist cool who was from um around near me in bristol cool um and she was treated by mesmerism and she wrote an article called the mesmeric cure of a cow and then the sequel which was uh distressing effects in the doctor upon the removal of disease from a cow with mesmerism (laughs) These are proper, like, local newspaper headlines. Basically, yeah. And I mean, as time has gone on, people have, you know, they've accepted the benefits of this. And they've just kind of, you know, trimmed away all of the, you know, sort of nonsense fat around around the edge. But, you know, he, he spent his whole life trying to prove that this did 
work, work. medically, like through mm. all of these various, you know, um, like experiments and trials and all of that sort of thing. I feel like it's quite important that we should say fundamental, like the fundamental idea that um, our bodies have got magnetized fluids in them that can be affected by the planets is not true. The way I oh, thought, no, absolutely not. No, yeah. But I just feel like we should put that out as a bit of a medical disclaimer. <laughs> and we're going to have um, to put yeah, a disclaimer yeah. at the top of this. Like, we do realise yeah. well, I mean, all to do with magnets. We're, it, we're not doctors, but no. we're fairly certain yeah, yeah. that uh, swallowing a bunch of iron and rubbing a magnet up and down your tummy is not going to make you the better. The way I sort of, I am thinking about this and relating it to like modern day is a bit like... You know when you go to like these these sort of meditation retreat, retreats and they say I'm going to release your chakras and everything or you'll feel much more relaxed and mm. calm. Is it a similar sort of thing to that, Daisy, or am I? Yeah, yeah. Essentially, it's yeah. Kind of like that you know the basis of the thing itself is you know the power of suggestion you know mm. making people feel like they're being listened to and that sort mm. of thing and mm. kind of anything over the top is kind of like the you know it's essentially the story that you use to sell it yeah yeah the, the bells on whistles yeah 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 because yeah. meditation works it helps people with you know being calm and being mindful and things like that but auras and you know reiki and is it Reiki? Which is the one that with the crystals? Uh, uh, I don't know what you mean, but 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 crystal crystals don't Reiki work. Reiki is that you no, know, like Reiki is supposedly you know that one where you don't have to touch people and you can sort of affect the yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. people. Yeah. And that's that is essentially what I have in my mind the whole time I'm reading about mesmerism. Yeah, yeah, because like, that's that sounds identical to yeah. me. Is this idea that you're somehow changing something internally without? you know actually touching anything actually doing anything. anything so it's almost like he added the magnets as if to like he went he went just listening and talking to people isn't going to sell enough books what i need to do is put some he, song and dance on it yeah he genuinely believed this like he spent you know all of his time studying you know thinking about how tides and magnetism affected you know the body mm. and you know it's the thing is, it's very, you know, well, this is the thing. When I, I wrote about this kind of, you know, originally last year, and I was very critical of the whole thing, you know, inevitably by, you know, how I am. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, yeah, to, to a certain extent, it's kind of like, you know, we can mock, but this was, you know, a long time ago. And it yeah, was, yeah, yeah. And, and like in, in the context of the time, it wasn't actually all that stupid. True. No. I mean, considering we didn't know anything about anything... This isn't the maddest thing we could have come up with. No, no and, and particularly, you know, given that a primary focus of, you know, the medical care that these people have received up until that point being drinking mercury <laughs> or bloodletting. Yeah, or why don't we put some leeches in your eyes? Yeah. Oh, man. Like, but, like, this is, you know, comparatively... Yeah, yeah, quite no, this nice, is quite sensible. Really? Yeah, quite nice. It's not going to hurt particularly. Exactly. You the know. worst case scenario is that nothing changes. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. He he listens to you for a bit and plays his wine glasses, and you just kind of chill out for an hour. And if you feel better, awesome. 
it's like having those um meditation bowls isn't it where you like r run the like a yeah. stick around the inside of a meditation bowl and it makes a noise and you're it basically is meant to help with your meditation it's a bit like that i think yeah and because you you know you had the whole thing with you know all, all of the the humors and your bile and your blood and mm. all of that that sort of you know supposedly interacted with each other and all that so you know the the idea that there were channels in your body that contained this sort of thing was already you know existing he didn't make that no he didn't make up that himself no 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 he was essentially no. building on you know other people's yeah, suggestion yeah exactly it was building on sort of you know other work that was being done at the time mm. so you know in context with all of that it probably made sense if if you tell somebody that three plus two equals seven then when you ask somebody what five times five is they're going to come up with a different number because it, they're basing it on the wrong thing to start with yeah yeah although basically you know once people realized that it was the power of suggestion pit that worked on this kind of you know other people took over the work and basically immediately dropped the names like you know animal magnetism and yeah all of that sort of thing yeah and you know started referring to it as you know like hypnosis and all of the um well the names that we're more familiar with now has anybody here ever been hypnotized no but my stepmother-in-law did get hypnotized to quit smoking and apparently it worked i've never known her as a smoker so no i've never i've never done it and i'm always a bit like i don't think my brain would like go okay i'll go sleep for a bit and then walk around like a chicken uh you know that kind of yeah thing. no i i think i i think um my brain is probably too um like cynical for it uh, yeah yeah i think mine is as well so it's too cynical said, and critical of it like yeah I, I, think I would go into it thinking that you know it's not it's gonna not make gonna any work. difference and yeah so it, i think that. no so i've never been hypnotized but it it always fascinates me how because so, like sometimes when i've seen it on the telly you look at them you're like are they just doing it for the cameras because you know like they know they're meant to be hypnotized and so i've just gone yeah i'm asleep it does make me wonder hmm. and certainly with people like darren brown yeah Dar darren brown is i think very good at making it work because darren brown kind of explains sort of why it works on people in that kind of you know very it's, analytical way doesn't yeah, it? yeah exactly and so it it means that it's likely to work on people who other types of hypnosis wouldn't mm. it's very clever yeah mm. and i think that, that with all of those things there is an element of showmanship as well that that helps carry it along and mm. that's, that's so, part yeah, yeah. of what you know all of mesmer's stuff was about was that there was an element i think of you know doing the extra floof to be like no but look look at it notice it pay attention to it because if yeah. you do that then it is going to, you know, something is more grabbing your attention rather than somebody quietly standing there going, you know, you can see now. You can see now when you wake up and I click my fingers, you'll be able to see and you're back in the room, you know. Yeah. So I wonder, I, that, that is the bit that is also fascinating me. The fact that I, like, I wonder whether Maria, like, woke up and thought, oh, I can see, but actually she just was, 
talked into the fact that she could and she'd just sort of been brainwashed i don't know i i don't know i mean i think i as a person with a with sight loss that has got a definite cause it's really Mm. hard for me to get my head around the idea that because of a trauma or whatever you might become blind it's just it's a concept i find difficult to understand but then you know it's that that's trauma isn't it that's how trauma works um for some people yeah supposedly once she was able to see she was frightened on beholding the human face i heard that yeah which is fair yeah. Well, the only argument I've made to that was, even if she was as young as, like, the youngest age they said that she was when she lost her sight, which was two, even if she was two when she lost her sight, like, she would have seen a person's face. Yeah, but would you remember it, though? I think that our lizard brains are built enough for us to at least kind of understand eyes, nose, mouth, face. Yeah. Not necessarily, oh, that's Auntie Susan or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And we don't necessarily know what he looked like. No, Maybe really. he did just have a frightening face. <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> it's true. Maybe he was, like, very, very startling. Well, <laughs> and I mean, if the other stuff is true, perhaps he was four inches away from her face with his cock in his hand. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Be, that would scare Can me. Can libel someone from the <laughs> 18th century? <laughs> Hello, love. Cop a load of this. <laughs> now, you, now you can see. Can you see this? <laughs> I mean, I get asked that all the time by creepy guys like on the internet and stuff. Are like, hey, love, can you see this? So I'd really rather like, not, actually. Like creepy guys on the internet asking for girls in wheelchair to send them pictures of their feet. Weird. Are they afraid to pay them? Yeah, sometimes, yeah. All the times it's like... <laughs> I, I, I've had this. I've had this conversation with my husband. I was like, "If there was some way of us making a million quid from some creepy guy fetishizing my disability, like, how would how would you feel like that?" And he was like, "A million pounds, like tax. <laughs> we're talking tax free." <laughs> so, <sighs> back to Maria. I shall tell you some more about Maria after Mesmer. Because, yeah. So what happened to the relationship between her and Mesmer? Did they ever fall out or did he just bog off and uh, say... as, uh, as far as we know, it got brought to an end quite suddenly mm. because her dad decided for reasons known best to him mm. um, that he didn't want them to work together anymore. And as a consequence, Maria lost her vision again. Right. Okay, and and he he left Vienna. Yeah. So the so I am getting from this. I may be wrong, but whatever he's done is quite like scandalous, and he needs to get out of town. Yes. Sooner rather than later. Yeah, but they were together for a good five years or something of working together. From right. my little bit of maths, I think they worked together in from seventeen seventy seven. Uh, when she was 19 and then she went on her European tour after they finished in 83 so four or five years Mm. so supposedly there were some 
rumours, but also, you know, he was just being called a charlatan because... Right, okay. Because he was a charlatan, everybody. So to a certain extent, he just sort of, you know, needed to go elsewhere. Where people didn't know him and he could start again with his whole... Yeah, yeah, because essentially, you know, the people who, who... did believe in him would follow him to yeah. wherever he went next. Yeah. So, yeah. and he'd been in Vienna for ages. He was probably bored of it. Mm. I mean, if I'm going to go on to talk about Paris, but Vienna was at the time like the big one of the cultural hubs of. Uh, I don't mean it still is, but Paris and Vienna were like the places in um europe at the time they were the places to be for innovation and invention and stuff like that so so she also left vienna in 1783 maria did and commenced her european tour uh she went on to she spent across uh she went across europe that's like the big one what's it called (laughs) europe (laughs) 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 but basically worked her way from vienna to paris and uh during this time period she was uh she would meet and work with composers uh such as haydn and bach 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 yeah not it was death wasn't he deaf, Bach? No, was that Beethoven? That's Beethoven. I'm doing him Beethoven. in another history lesson at some point. Okay. Um, and uh, Mozart as well, who mm-hmm. reportedly um, was like so into Maria Theresa that he wrote her a um, piano concerto. Right. Um, and like... A bit creepy. And her... not as creepy as the magnet man. <laughs> <laughs> and um... I'm not, I would be much more uncomfortable if someone wrote me a concerto. I don't know. It's the equivalent of like if you're you're a historian, it's like somebody writing you an interesting piece of history, isn't yeah. it? Because she was a pianist. Is that what you think my life is like? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people constantly writing historical articles no. and putting them through my door. No, I just mean. You know, like some girls like flowers, <laughs> some people like chocolate. I I don't know a great deal about you beyond you like history. <laughs> so I was like, hmm, how might one romance romantic rom- romance Daisy? I know. So that, this is why we need a, a team building exercise as soon as possible. <laughs> um. Find out the better ways to seduce me. <laughs> I have. I feel like I could quite comfortably work out how to seduce Lucy. I think I'd probably just buy her several bags of port scratchings. To be fair, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. Do it. Yeah, and a bottle of wine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hi, boys. <laughs> yeah, they get stuck in your teeth though, so I'd have to like. <laughs> yeah, peanut butter watsits are the best. Anything peanut butter watsits. Yeah, peanut peanut butter. What's what is that? They're like well, they're not actual what's it branded. No, I know, they're, but I they're know. like what's it, but they're peanut flavored. Desi, you're gonna have to bring me some. I will. They're, they're in mm. the, all of the um, Polish supermarket. This is completely unrelated. Yeah. I was going to the um, Polish shop down my road the other day, and it was 
it was shut because the council shut it down because, oh. it, because it was selling fake cigarettes. And I'm like, wait, so oh, what okay. were they if they weren't cigarettes? <laughs> Just imagining it being like those sweets <laughs> to be, inside a cigarette box. <laughs> to be fair, when I went uh, to a fancy dress party dressed as Sandy from Greece and we made like a cardboard grease lightning to go around my chair, I had a fake cigarette and I bought it from Amazon and you blew out of it and a puff of smoke came out the end of it with it was filled with talc <laughs> everybody everybody else was like like walking around with it and i was like can, can you give me my cigarette like, you're ruining my look <laughs> yeah i had these ones in um, malta that were like knickknacks but peanut uh, flavored oh, i love peanut i love peanut butter anything me too peanut butter chocolate yeah yeah Everything's better with peanut butter toast or with peanut butter on. I'm yeah, eating quite a lot of peanut butter and banana on toast at the moment. Oh, yeah. Peanut the best butter sandwich from... is peanut butter and cheddar. See, I've never tried that. That's My mum so likes jam and cheese. No. 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 I never had cheese and mayonnaise until I moved up north, though. So no. That's, that was pretty revolutionary. I'm not a particular fan of, like... Cheese sandwiches. I like melty cheese on things, but not like... Can I just say, you know that we're paying for this conversation. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> just thought I'd put that out there. Yeah, sorry. We've got, we got, we got to pad the episode out a bit because, you yeah. know, I didn't do a huge amount of research bar what I wrote a year and a half ago, so... <laughs> and print. I mean... <laughs> it is literally just printed out. <laughs> but I also did a highlight. Oh, look. Yes, yeah. This is another one of those times where uh, people are like, "Look," and I'm like, "I can't." But you know, (laughs) I did say, "Believe me, don't you?" Yeah, (laughs) yeah. There's there's quite a lot of faith and trust put in when you're blind. I was showing her something earlier, and I was like, "Can you see that?" And I was like, "I know it's coming." She's going to say no. (laughs) (laughs) Well, stop trying to show me things. (laughs) Sorry. Just trying to involve you. She insists on sharing her screen all the time. And I'm like, Lucy, save yourself and like the five minutes that it takes you to work out how to do it. Because I'm not going to be able to fucking see it anyway. <laughs> to, be, to be fair, I'm on an annual leave and I've forgotten how to use Teams. So it's, it did take me five minutes. I, I mean, I'm only halfway through my notes. <laughs> so if you guys want to shut up. Um... Okay. Yeah. Crack on. Cool. Okay. So she commenced her European tour in 1783. I said all of this, where she met Haydn and Bach um, and Mozart, and he wrote her that piano concerto. There's, it. We we know he wrote her a concerto. We know that when she performed it for his family, they described it as glorious. But we don't actually know which of the concertos it is that he wrote that were was for her. So there is there is a concerto out there that he wrote for her, but we don't know which one it is. Right, okay. Because apparently Mozart did quite a lot. But yeah, apparently she was really good and like Mozart's family were like, oh my god, she's amazing. Um, which I think is probably pretty high praise considering who Mozart was. Uh, while she was in Paris, Maria Theresa met Valentin. I should have looked up how to say his last name. Hey. H-A-U umlaut. Why? 
who was the father Oi. of blind schooling. Yeah. Hoy. I again. Hoy. Hoy. I don't know if it matters. I'm not <laughs> saying his name again. <laughs> anyway, he was quote unquote the father of blind schools. Uh, right, okay. He set up the first school for blind children in Paris after apparently seeing um, some blind children being mocked at a festival because they were being, they had dunces hats put on them and they were uh, forced to play musical instruments and they did not play them very well. And so he was like, we need to round these children up and put them in a school. And well, anybody just said like, Ear loose, play this trumpet. I'd be quite <laughs> you make that noise you made earlier. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, that's not. That's got nothing to do with them like, having a disability, is it? Like, here's this trombone. I think. No, I think. I've got a bugle around here. Got a... <laughs> Am I? Have I taken something? <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, um, yeah, they, he he felt sorry for these children and was like, I'm going to teach them um, so that, you know, next time there's a festival, they can actually play their musical instruments. Um, and so so he, he basically taught them the musical instruments. I think there was, there was more to it than that. He, as I say, first, first school for uh, visually impaired students in all of Europe. This is like the 1780s, so it's mm -hmm. pretty. That's that's pretty cool. That's um, progressive, that isn't it, really? Mm -hmm. And um, so Maria Teresa was. Um, she played quite a big part in the setting up of this school. What are you laughing at? Daisy's got a trombone. <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to stifle a laugh for the last five minutes. Here you go. Here you go. <laughs> Adam, we've been talking about just... an outtake. <laughs> I think it might just be this episode. Adam, keep all of this in. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like an awful lot of space. It really does. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't. What is going on? Can I ask why you have a bugle? <laughs> I mean, you can, but you're not going to be satisfied with the answer. <laughs> the answer is because someone bought it for me. Okay. Oh it, my just, God. it looks a little bit like something you picked up in a charity shop just because. Oh, no. I, I mean, if I saw it in a charity shop, I absolutely would. But no, I wouldn't buy a second-hand bugle from a charity <laughs> can i just, <laughs> can I just say alice can i just say alice that i have been stifling a laugh for the last three minutes because i could sit i could see i know you can't see very well but i could see i, daisy, I didn't have this what? i had my word document up so i couldn't i could see, see anything i could see daisy walk away <laughs> then go to the corner and was rifling through a big pile and i was like oh my god oh my god those are the boxes that i still haven't unpacked you mean your bugle wasn't the first thing you unpacked when you moved? I'm okay, that was what confused me because I remembered finding it and I knew it was on the floor over there somewhere and apparently I put it back in a box. Like, I'm repacking somehow. Adam, Adam, for the love of Mary, please keep this in. 
Oh, man. I'll mute myself. You carry on. Okay. She's put the bugle away. She is eating, so I'm glad she's muted. <laughs> Ticking all the podcast <laughs> etiquette boxes today. I just keep seeing her, like, slowly putting a piece of chocolate in her mouth. And I'm like, oh, all right, okay. This Daisy, who was like, oh, I'd quite like to finish early because I've got to go and pick up this fancy pants sewing machine. <laughs> So when when did we stop paying attention? No, you said about him uh, taking them into the school, teaching them musical instruments yeah. at their next festival. Yeah, yeah. Well, I yeah. I don't know about that bit, but he he started teaching them because he wanted to teach the poor blind children. Yeah. Um, Maria Teresa was quite a big part of the setting up of this school and uh used a lot of like her own experience of sight loss and learning music and um of the the composition board that she'd had um created i'll tell you a little bit about um like that really helped i i was wrong here's his name again hoy hoy yeah that one um I'm very sorry to any German listeners we have out there, just to put that out there. Sorry. We've offended everybody possible today. And I'm also really sorry about uh, the people who are genuinely tuned into this episode to find out about history. Yeah, yeah, you're listening to the wrong podcast. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, So she helped him to devise a teaching method for these children um which you know was based on her own experience of kind of learning and learning to read and compose music without having any sight so did the rope with the knots make an appearance again as a teaching method? well so so one of the things that she did have later she had mm. a librettist which i had right. to google that is the person who writes the words for your music right. Okay. He devised a he built her a composition board, which yeah. I couldn't find any more information out about it. I can only assume that it was like some kind of tactile thing mm. that would mm-hmm. I don't know monitor what the notes she played or something like that. Okay. So part of she she used that to compose and used that as a kind of showed it to to this guy and he used that to sort of work out how he was going to teach these children um and it's important to kind of know that because a later student at uh hoy's school was Mm. louis braille who of course is the is the braille yeah exactly the uh the tactile alphabet man as i have called him in my notes uh so she was super successful in paris um and that's where maria Theresa kind of big she came very famous there uh she went on to perform in london uh where she performed for the royal family and even performed alongside the the then prince of wales who was a violinist um but we didn't like her very much we we didn't think she was uh very talented 
but and I've put that that's because we are uncouth and uncivilized thugs who consider N-dubs to be a uh, musical success. So, uh-huh. um, <clears throat> so after her. Um, I feel like I need to keep checking in to see what Daisy's doing. <laughs> What's she doing Daisy, now? Daisy is now, I think Daisy's main purpose is just trying to make me laugh. <laughs> I was just nodding to agree that end-ups were a musical success. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. Mm. Um, <laughs> so after her European tour. So she continued composing music throughout her life, uh, including at least one surviving opera and also the music. So everybody says on the internet that the music, that one of the songs that was used at uh, Meghan and Harry's wedding was composed by Maria Theresa. However... Yeah, okay. More sensible, reliable academic people on the internet say uh actually it was written by somebody else with the last name Paradise and um and people on BuzzFeed don't know what they're talking about. Okay. Um no offense BuzzFeed. I love you. That that sounds realistic. (laughs) (laughs) So her she wrote an opera. Um Again, I really needed to have uh, checked the pronunciation of just half of what I've written here because Ronaldo Un Alcina is okay. Her comic opera that she wrote, mm-hmm. um, which premiered in Prague, uh, and that Von Paradis herself directed from the piano, um, but it kind of bombed um and uh a contemporary review i read said that uh the audience found it boring because they weren't blind which oh oh that's a that's yeah (laughs) yeah um that's like saying we don't like your podcast because we're not disabled yeah i don't know anyway um so maria went back to vienna where she just she would spend the rest of her life she opened her own school where she was teaching music to wealthy young ladies um although that sounds like a bit of a sort of drab fall not fall from grace but um not as sort of successful as as she was previously in her life um she was a very successful teacher and she was so kind of well respected that actually her school continued and was she left enough funds after she passed away to keep her school up and running uh like to bankroll it for another century after she died oh that that there that now that is a legacy yes i think everybody i think it's fair to say that everybody liked the thought of having a legacy after they've died. I certainly do. I certainly think that it's a nice thing, isn't it? For people to go. And I mean, you know, you know this is going to be the episode that we win awards for and that is remembered in the future. Yeah. All You're down welcome. to Daisy's, <laughs> Daisy's Uncle Elton. 
<laughs> oh god, I forgot about her. Well. <laughs> that feels like we talked about that days ago. <laughs> I'm so traumatized by everything else that happened. I'm sorry, I had an extra coffee today and I'm a bit, <laughs> a bit delirious. <laughs> so and then and then she died in 1824. Um Okay, what did she die of? They think uh lung disease right but they're not sure because 1824 you know yeah i mean it could have been elves so um <laughs> magnet exactly yeah He's back she, again with his magnets <laughs> she od'd on magnets yeah i wanted to talk a little bit about why maria is not more well known and more well remembered now because from everything that I've read, she was actually, she was really successful, um, you know, and she did, she she not only performed, she composed, she produced, produced things that should have lasted, but it really looks like a lot of, you know, there's not a lot of her stuff remaining. We've got some of her journals from later in her life. I say we, the, the world. Yeah. Um, but honestly... I found it quite hard to find information out about Maria, like reliable information that wasn't all about her being treated by Mesmer. I I just wondered kind of, you know, what what was this about? Was this and I think I think it's a combination of things. I think it's partly her gender mm. and I think it's partly her disability. Because mm. although you can argue that, you know, in the late 1700s early 1800s you know it's a quite a big ask for stuff to to have survived from there but we have stuff from mozart we have stuff from beethoven who was even earlier you know we have lots of there is stuff stuff survives yeah. it's yeah. not like she was poor and she didn't nope. have the money or the family like she was came from a very respected family they could have kept all of that stuff you know and efforts if she'd been if she was as highly valued and as highly recognized as it sounds like she was it's a surprise that stuff wasn't do held. you think that she was sort of well known within the disability community at, at the time because obviously if her school after she after her death if her school carried on for 100 years her school wasn't a school for disabled kids though oh was it not oh, no sorry, it was just it was a it was a music school oh so it was just for any anybody yeah, yeah. daisy could have turned up with a bugle yeah bugle yeah yeah uh, or or a non-disabled person could have turned hmm. up with their bugle but it's yeah it's um i i don't and i also don't think you know this is the the 18, 17, 1800s, I don't know how much of a disabled community there would have been in. No, that's true. High sort of society. high society. Yeah, in high society Vienna and Europe um, at the time. Well, and historically, you know, back, back in those days, royalty and high society, they still do to a certain extent hide away dis disability, don't they? So could, could it be the fact that you know, because she was disabled, no. Once she passed away, nobody really talked about her because it was like, oh, let's forget about, you know, that whole 
I mean, I think Person. I, I think it's it's not it's not just about after she passed away. I think there's probably an element of while she was still while she was alive mm. that she was just although she was perhaps very popular amongst people listening to music, the people that counted, the people that produced. Uh, so at the time, if you wanted to be, if you wanted to make any money from composition. Mm. Uh, you would have to publish your music and sell it. Mm-hmm. And I think the people who did that, those people, the people who were behind kind of the, not the word of mouth, oh my God, if you heard this woman, she's really good. But the other people, you know, the the journalists, the yes. people yeah, in yeah, power, yeah. The, the I think, they didn't hold her in very high regard. And I think that's, personally, I think it comes from a combination of her being a woman and her being disabled. Because also, you know, we talked about hysterical conditions and they were a very gendered, um, generally a very gendered kind of condition. And I think it was used as a way of dismissing women a lot. And so I think that's kind of just what happened is I think that people people dismissed her and that's yeah. why she's kind of not really remembered. Um, and I think it, it's, a, it's a real shame because I think it sounds like she was actually very accomplished. Mm. You know, and there's there's not a lot known known about her. I think it's really sad that the thing that she's most famous for and like I said, the thing that I found out about her from is because of the mesmer stuff and actually mm. you know should we be remembering her for the the attempts people made to cure her of her disability or should we be remembering her for the fact that she was a super talented pianist and composer well you know and i know and daisy knows because we all live with a disability that we should be focusing on the person's achievements rather than the thing that is perceived to hold them back in life but but again we all know that that hard that it doesn't happen though does it because they you know they go let's focus on everything like let's focus on the struggles and then it leads to oh isn't it wonderful that they've overcome these struggles it's that kind of thing isn't it it's you know as much as we would like to be seen as you know very successful people in our own right there is always this label again we've got back to labels aren't we there's this label around your neck of yeah but she's disabled you know and and she was you know she was progressive that you know women were playing the piano and doing things like that like at the time but they weren't really performing in public it tended to be you know ladies behind closed doors yeah, yeah, they'd they'd perform for guests when they visited. They might perform at you know local like balls and stuff like that if they were particularly high society. But she was performing for crowds. People were commissioning, People paying her. to see, yeah, to see her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's and and she's rubbing shoulders with you know Mozart, who is probably you know if you had to to pointless him he'd be up there with one of the most known names of classical music yeah definitely and also 
he didn't just know her. He was kind of like, from what you told me, a bit besotted with her, actually. Do you know what I mean? It's well, not like... He certainly was impressed by her enough to write something for her, which, yeah, you know, definitely. again, I don't know anything about... I mean, I don't know anything about music, never mind classical music, but no. he... He, if he thought she was good, she must have been pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then I still think there is something in the fact that it was because she was disabled that that people don't know of her mm. very very well. Because, like you say, there's no, there's no other reason really. I mean, were there other women who were piano players or who are quite well known? There were, there are other female composers from the little bit that, again, I don't know a great deal about musical history. Um, you know, there are some women out there, but mm. it just, it sounds like she should be more well-remembered than she is. Mm. And she's Absolutely. so poorly remembered that, you know, people are getting a piece of music written by somebody else confused for her. Like I, yeah, I, I find it almost offensive. Yeah, that is really offensive. I, I, you know, if if that had happened to me, I'm pretty sure my family would be. I mean, not that her family are around because it was quite a long time ago, but uh, you know, people that knew, know me would be like, "Well, that's not right. That's not fair." Mm. But how how dare you confuse? you know her work with somebody else of the same with the mean, same surname if she kept a, you know if her legacy was enough that that school was able to keep running for a hundred years I, you'd yeah. sort of think she was respected enough that people would have gone well we'll keep her papers you know we'll yeah. keep her journals and things like that so yeah. that they'd be like they could go even if she was just remembered for setting up the school you know That's it. even if those papers that they kept went to a museum somewhere so that when you visited like the V&A or whatever, her her name was still written down somewhere. But it's not, is it? She's just been kind of lost. To no, I know. She's just been kind of lost to history. She's just a footnote mm. in the Mesmer stuff. And I think that that's not right because I think she she was more impressive than Mesmer in a lot Mesmer. of ways. I think what yeah, she did yeah. was much more interesting. Um yeah. And and yeah, it's it's inspired me to go out and not be a footnote. Oh, good. I'm yeah. I'm sure she's really pleased to be your inspiration poem for the day. Yeah. Oh no, I hate that word. Sorry. I don't know if Daisy's just zoned out completely. If she's even still listening. No, she is. She's she's with us. Daisy. Yeah. What? I just wondered if you had any final thoughts. Um. Oh, so many. Uh, do you want one that's relevant? Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, I think you're very right in that, you know, inevitably she will be an ignored person because she is a woman and because she is disabled. I also think it's sometimes it can just be as simple as, you know, you know a lot of the people that we know about, so like we know about her because of Mesmer, because he kept a journal. Mm. You know, journaling was very much one of these kind of, you know, preserves of well essentially the rich people who had time to write down all of their nonsense thoughts in a journal mm -hmm. and yeah i wonder how much more we would know if, if she was able to write down. or you know yeah. dictate 
she did have you know she had a composition board she was composed she was writing music down and even that seems to be gone yeah yeah but a lot of things that we know because we know other things about the people's lives so you know we know when these things were written who they worked with and all of those kind of things because they've made notes mm. and so if she didn't have a particularly you know i guess collaborative career then I'm yeah, not. I'm not trying to justify, you know, obviously why we don't know anything about her because there's inevitably a big stamp of, you know, ableism and sexism and all of that. Yeah. So yeah, that's Maria Theresa, and I think that we should all all remember her better. Mm. Yes. Well, thank you very much, Alice. That was um, that was a very interesting episode. I'll, it's I'll very eventful. To, yeah, I'll try to bring something a little bit less uh, about traumatic treatments. Can we have next... no weirdo doctors next time, please? <laughs> I can't make any Realistically, probably no. No, yeah, probably not. Um, yeah, no, it just... It's the whole electric shock thing that gets me every time. I think when we were doing the autism episodes, we, we, we had some discussions of a electric shock treatment and that really upset me as well because i just think there's no need is there really there's absolutely no need but there we go they're my, they're my final thoughts <laughs> uh yes thank you so much alice um uh do you want to do a roundup who's doing a roundup i kind of assumed it was you because you started to say thank you yeah. and i assumed that was working towards a follow us That's on all fine. the places i can do that yeah, uh, if you have enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe wherever you pod, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, and if you listen, review and subscribe, that really helps us sort of build our audience. You can also find us on social media. We're at Labeled Pod on all platforms. And uh, if you want to get a bit ahead of the curve, you can sign up to our mailing list uh, where we're going to be putting some extra bits and pieces on for mailing list subscribers. So head over there. And also, uh, if you want to join our Facebook community to talk about episodes that you've loved, episodes that you've hated, how ridiculous Daisy is with her bugle, <laughs> whatever it might be. Uh, we've got our Facebook community and you can just head over and find that on our Facebook page which as Lucy said is labelled pod and uh, I think that's it for this week we'll see you next time see you next time bye and I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening to the Label podcast if you like the show you can rate, review and subscribe and you can follow us on social media at labelled pod this episode was edited by Adam Hall. Our music was by Maisie Crunden, and we'd like to thank the rest of the team involved. <laughs>